Hello, Bex. It's nice to be joined with you today. Oh, hi, Bex. Nice to be speaking to you. So we're um, really pleased to be joined by Catherine Garrett from Lingo's Top West Oxford this morning. Uh, hi, Catherine. How are you? Morning. I'm very well, thank you. How are you two? Yeah, good, thanks. Thank you for coming to talk to us. And you're coming to talk to us about learning languages, which obviously it's something mm-hmm. that Becky and I are both really interested in, you know. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot of conversation about learning languages, especially in the early years and is it an advantage does it pose any risk to language Mm. development so we're going to have a chat about some of those things Mm -hmm. um i wondered if you could start off by talking to us really about second language learning and how does this take place and what's happening when's the best time to start yeah of course so um i think the first thing to 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 kind of go with on that is um you hear all the time don't you that um babies and toddlers are like sponges um and you know they pick up languages really quickly so um i guess really i just wanted to sort of talk about what that actually really means when we say that they're like baby well, that, they're, that they're like sponges and what that means in terms of kind of second language acquisition so uh, the first thing really is that um <clears throat> When you when a baby is born, um, when they are learning a language and learning a second language, there's no fundamental difference in how they do it. Um, so, second language learning and second language acquisition is exactly the same. The process is exactly the same as how they would pick up their first language. So, when you hear that phrase, "oh, they're like sponges," that's really why. It's because that lang- the way they learn the language at that age is completely innate. It's natural. Um, so, they're learning that different objects have um, different names um, and they're learning that for their first language and they're learning that for their second language. They're learning how to make sounds, you know, that babbling um, noises that they start to make. They're learning how to babble um, and that also applies for the second language as well. So kind of around around the age of sort of eight to ten months, that's when babies really start to tune in to the sounds that are around them. And then when they'll start to pick up um, uh, the different sounds that languages make. So as we get older, we lose that ability to identify different sounds without drawing on a first language reference. So when when that, when babies are really young, so we're talking about that infant age under 12 months, they are able to respond to every different sound and recognise the different sounds that different languages make. Now, as you get older, that's lost and you have to refer back to the first language. You know it yourself. If you're trying yeah. to learn a language as an adult, um, you're always drawing back to what the sounds on that word and how to, how to make that sound. You're making a reference back to your first language. Yeah. And the trouble with that is you just can't replicate it. So there are, will be some languages that you just can't replicate, some sounds that you just can't replicate as you get older. And that's really why, because you haven't had that fundamental input um, at such a young age. So the kind of the ability to build the natural accents um, and the natural fluency um, comes when really children are are that young. And as they get older, that ability declines. Um, you can say, um, you know, one question I get asked all the time, and we obviously talk about this a bit as well, is what when is the best time to start learning a second language? And there's different reasons and different pros and cons for doing it at, at, at various different ages. We all know that primary school age children, for example, are incredibly motivated learners. Um, you know, it's like the world has been opened up. They love responding to the routine of being in school. Um, their studies in school complement language learning as well so it all goes together they're learning to read they're able to then read in a second language so there are arguments that you know studying in primary language that um at primary age school um age is is 
you know, extremely beneficial as well. But um, the motivation changes as we get older, um, and certainly I know a lot of a lot of people in lockdown, for example, that have started learning a second language in lockdown. Um, so oh, my niece, we are, Catherine, my niece did that. They they were her and her mum were learning Spanish, and and we we're just like, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? To actually give it a go. But like you say, if you can come in early, and and the and a baby can like sort of start to learn it, or a toddler can start to learn it. <laughs> That seems like that would be a lot sort of easier, more natural. Is that right? Yeah, it's completely more natural. So, you know, I often use my two as an example. So I'm a mum, I've got two children, um, Chiara and Alberto. Um, And Chiara's five, five and a half. um, So she's in reception um, and Albie is three and a half. And they have always known that there are different words for different things. And they just know that mummy says says it one way and daddy says it a different way. Right. They've always known um, that, for example, um, when, we, when we have bath time, when we fill the bath up, um, you know, daddy will say, um, you know, turn the tap on in Italian and pour the water out um, and I'll say it in English. So they always know very from a very early age, they were able to respond to the fact that aqua was water in Italian um, and, and you know, vice versa and switch it back. So... Um, they might not they might choose i think the key point here is um while children are very young for babies and toddlers particularly they might choose only to produce one language um but they are aware that there are different languages involved in it certainly in a bilingual household so that production the production of the language and this is where parents often get frustrated as well um but the production in the second language and when we say second language we mean probably the community language of where you're you're living so for me, um, our community language is English because we live in England um, and therefore our second language is Italian. Um, so you'll probably find that the production is predominantly in the community language um, mm. initially um, and the production in the second language comes a bit later. But the, po- the key point here is that input and that interaction while they're very young has happened. So though that it's there um, and it gradually um, comes out as they get older. So Chiara, as I said, she's five. She's now now starting to produce more and more in Italian um, because um, you know she's a bit older and she understands it a bit mm. better um, but she's able to do that because she's had all of those key years in that uh, in that early year period um, where she's had the input and the stimulus in the second language. That's crucial just, isn't it? Yeah I was just going to ask you, you sort of touched on the benefits of, of learning um, other languages at, at a younger age and why that's easier but are there other benefits to learning more than one language yeah absolutely so that's I mean that's something that I get asked quite a lot as well and it's not just the you know the the most obvious benefit of speaking another language um, there's um, a lot of kind of collateral benefits that um, that you can you know benefit from um, in early years particularly so um, you know, there's various studies that have um, taken place to demonstrate um, the all-round sort of cognitive benefits and the intellectual development that um, having a second language input um, has on children. So, um, you know, there's been studies that show um, that bilingual children particularly have increased um, creativity. Um, it obviously helps um their literacy um, as they move up to that school age um, and their problem-solving skills. Um, So, 
you know, there, there's there's the intellectual step up um, that you can benefit from um, and give them a bit of a head start for when they get to primary school. And then there's the, you know, there's things like, you know, the fluffy stuff. So the socialisation skills, the communication skills, um, and um, the, that are greatly improved from doing this. Um, the listening skills, which I know is sort of key for um, one of the early learning goals, um, but their ability to sit and listen and concentrate um, you know, the, 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 there's so many other sort of holistic benefits, I suppose, from um, introducing languages um, that, that helps. Um, and, you know, the, the, the studies are there that show that you've got the superior reading, analytical and, and social skills, um, and of course, more extensive vocabularies. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, that the, the, they just know more words. Um, and then we have, and then the other thing for me, something that I'm very passionate about, um, you know, I, I, prior to starting Lingotop, my um, my career history was always within the travel industry, for example, um, and I studied languages myself at university, so language and travel is very much um, things that I've been interested in doing, um, and for me, the cultural capital, um, and this is obviously something come, that comes up a lot um, with Ofsted, for example, with the um, enhanced curriculums at primary age, but the cultural capital that you get from studying languages, so understanding different cultures, understanding, um, you know, um, different countries, understanding different people, um, and bringing that awareness into um, children, um, for me, is really important. Um, and then, of course, the, the other thing um, is the kind of the economic advantage, I suppose. And I think this is going to be the most interesting one to monitor over the, the coming decades, really. But um, already we know that people that speak a second language fluently um, have increased um pay differentials, for example. So they'll earn right. typically between 5 and 20% more per hour if you speak two languages than if you only speak one. And I think where this is important is obviously in a post-Brexit world, um, you know, there's already been articles published, um, particularly around some of the strong nationalistic countries in the EU. Um, um, if you want to continue to trade with them, are you going to be able to do it in English? You know, is English going to be the lingua franca of um, the EU, um, of European trade moving forward? Forward, is there going to be an increased importance on if we wish to continue with trade agreements with the EU? Are you going to have to start doing them in French or German or Spanish? You know, um, that's so a that's that, much that, bigger picture, isn't it? That, thing. Yeah, you know, like you say, in terms of opportunities, and actually in an ever-changing world, um, yeah, perhaps this this, dot, this English sort of speaking dominance is changing and is going to change and. Um, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. Catherine, I know as a speech and language therapist, when I'm supporting <clears throat> children where English is an additional language, I have lots of conversations with parents who say to me, <clears throat> I just want them to speak English, I just want them to speak English. Um, and, and that's parents. And I also have nurseries still who will say, oh, well, no, we, we need them to speak English at home, otherwise they're not going to speak English here. And I'm like, oh, there's so many myths and there's so many misunderstandings yeah. around, you know, multiple languages. What would you say are like the keys of myths that you're trying to dispel? What you know? What do you see yeah. that you think? Ah, that's not quite right. Yeah, you know that 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 that's one thing that almost that, that literally makes me scream inside. Yeah, yeah. When, when, I, when I hear that, um, yeah. because you know it's 
it's so important that a child has that heritage and cultural connection with that with their language um, in terms of communicating with family members having that connection to their own personal identity um, and you, you know that that alone for me is a big enough motivation but um, the biggest myth here I think that that we're kind of talking around is this connected to um, development and that there's um, you know there's a there's this concept that there's a later development in bilingual children um, that you know if you um, keep a, a second language at home then their, their first language development is going to suffer um, and therefore they're not going to be able to communicate in a formal school setting or a preschool setting um, and they're going to be behind their peers in that sense um, and it's just completely unfounded um, you know I, I have not found any scientific evidence that no. supports that you know as a speech and language therapist mm -hmm. is a specialist that um, that every child develops at a different rate yeah. every child develops at a different rate um, every vocabulary acquisition happens at a different rate um, but by the time um, you know they come through the early years age everyone is kind of more or less at the same at the same level um, and I, the one thing I got when um, my children were in, in nursery um, whenever I went in for developmental chats with them they always said oh well you know we'd expect Chiara to be a bit behind um, because Ooh. she's got Italian at home and I'd be like no 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 no, no, no. yeah no 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 definitely <laughs> No, no, no. Um, but you, you see, it. I think the counter argument is that you see it in the responses. So again, and it comes down to that production element. So even if, um, you know, they might not necessarily be as vocal as early on, they're still responding and interacting with the language and the level of comprehension is still there. Um, there is a level of, the, the, the one thing I think that is definitely true is that there can be that kind of confusion period where they mix up their languages so they um you know you, you get it a lot in kind of two to three year olds where they are you know starting to speak a lot more and a, la a word might come out in the second language um but they work through that period quite quickly um and it, it, it's quite short-lived i find um and that's, but, that, um, that's actually okay isn't it Catherine? because they're learning aren't they that you know if yeah, exactly. i was I, if i was you know if you're like you said if you're learning two languages and if i was in another country speaking if I was in Italy speaking Italian I would probably get some of it slightly wrong first of all wouldn't I you know that and that's okay it's like you say that's not that's not you know how we measure it but yeah that's really good to sort of debunk that, that myth because I think that's crucial for early years to understand and know that that you know yeah. and, and treasure whatever language a child is speaking in and whatever language you know is the cultural home language and you know that is absolutely crucial but oh it's been amazing Amazing. I've learned loads this morning. What a lovely way to start our, start our morning. That's fantastic. And I think, Catherine, just to, just to finish off, you know, can you summarise really what the benefit is really is providers in, in this, yeah. you know, learning other languages in their setting? Yeah, no, of course. So um, I think the, the thing for me here is um, certainly in the conversations I have with parents is that more and more parents are becoming aware of this um, um, kind of cultural and potential economic shift and um, they're more and more keen to get children learning languages as early as possible. Just the other day I was out talking to two parents um, um, at my um, children's school um, 
And there's a, a, a great level of frustration I'm finding among parents where um, language is being introduced to Key Stage 2. So Key Stage 2 in primary is when it's compulsory for um, foreign languages to be introduced. But it's just a feeling that that is just too late and people want it to be earlier. Um, you know, people always talk about um, that there's a sort of sense of envy and longing when you look at Northern European countries mm. that pays um, a strong, a really strong emphasis on language learning um, and parents are anxious about that um, so I think really from an early year setting listening to those concerns understanding combining that with understanding the step up um, that language learning can give the children um, and you know offering it within your setting is quite unusual um, um, so it kind of all those things kind of bring quite a competitive edge um, within the early year settings I think um, if they can incorporate language-based sessions into their curriculum we know that obviously lots of early years providers work with third parties already um, so just shaking it up a bit doing something different and responding to a parent's need I think would give a, a very much competitive um, edge and then the other point to make there is that um, you know if the nursery or the early years practitioners part take part in the sessions um, then the content that um, we share during those sessions can obviously be replicated throughout the week. And the key thing about raising children bilingually or introducing second language is about having positive interactions, fun interactions, lots of play. That's how children learn. Um, and incorporating that in simple ways through the earliest setting for the rest of the week with you know posters and signs in different languages, saying hello and bye in different languages. Counting is obviously a big thing. Playing games like Simon says head shoulders knees and toes um, replicating all of that in the um, target language it's not difficult vocabulary for us to learn as adults um, and then passing that on to children um, it's an it's an it's a way that we can help upskill staff um, and you know obviously these things just look brilliant for um, Ofsted um, when those reviews come through so yeah and I think it's I think it's really it's so interesting, isn't it, Beck? It's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really. Well, definitely. So if we wanted to find more about you, Catherine, where would we head to to find more about your what you do for parents and for, obviously, early years providers as well? Sure. So um, my website um, is www.lingotot.com um, forward slash centre forward slash lingotot hyphen west hyphen oxford that's a bit of a mouthful i appreciate that um so we'll, yeah we'll pop the link yeah, on the just, bottom as well yeah, yeah. Follow, follow me on facebook or instagram so i'm um my um uh, you know my socials are at long lingotot west oxford um or just drop me an email west oxford at lingotot.com um for yeah kind of how we can work with with you so we work with um obviously we work in the community settings but also within nurseries preschools and through primary school um, as well so um all the way up to age 12 um so, wow yeah, oh that's of, that's really so. good oh Catherine it's really good and and as as yeah, always for your time. we've really enjoyed it and I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll be um sort of chatting to you again and you know and as always with Thriving Language you can find us on www.thrivinglanguage.co.uk you can uh, you can follow us um, you can listen to all of our other podcasts as well all the podcasts are on Apple Spotify and we're really glad that you found us um, head over to our website and you can see our training and who else we work with so lovely to speak to everybody today bye bye yeah, thank you thank you lovely to speak to you bye bye, bye.